0: It's time for Running building, the game, the, building game, the game with Jason, with Jason and friends. Jason friends. And building the tabletop
1: game with Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode that's
0: when it technically ends.
1: Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November thirtieth, and you're listening at episode four hundred and forty-four. I'm your host, as always, Jason. Today, joined by a game designer, a longtime listener. Ray Miller. Hey, Ray, how's it going?
0: Hey, Jason. Great to be here. I'm, uh, yeah, I've definitely been listening for a while and uh, I'm glad to be finally on.
1: Yeah, no, we, uh, we talked a while back about when I was looking to get some people on, you were like, hey, let's do it. And I was like, yeah. And then like more pandemic stuff happened. And then I was <laughs> like, hey, like I got a date. Let's do this. And yeah, you were gracious enough to be like, yes, I'll make that work. So I appreciate that. Oh, no um, problem. so, the way that I know you best and the way the builders may not realize they may not be putting the name with, with the terribleness, um, which is that, uh, for, for any of you familiar with the iron design challenge, uh, Ray, uh, for several years gave us awful ideas. Uh, the first year uh, we just said, give us an idea. And you had, I don't remember what your first idea was. I remember it was awful. Um, you almost lost an eye for it. was that the pin was the pinata the first <laughs> yeah pitching
0: the pinata was it
1: yes where i almost died uh because of the pinata yes um and then you have given so many more ideas because after the first year we were like well now we want you to give us another bad idea and then it was a thing yeah <laughs> so then it was like well now we need it every year yeah sadly didn't have it last year or this year i mean but uh
0: well just as my yeah. girl, i watched the 2019 challenge and Boy uh-huh. uncomfortable with the William the help challenge.
1: With the which one?
0: Uh William tell me your pitch. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yes. Um, oh that was I miss the iron design challenge. Uh, and I miss your bad ideas for it. So uh, trust me, when it comes time to do it again, you'll be on my list of people to reach out to right away. <laughs> Excellent. To get that <laughs> to get some bad ideas. So uh because you know Rob also pretty good with bad ideas. I mean, he tried to make good ideas, but they were just bad ideas. You, in your defense, were shooting for bad ideas, which is <laughs> which is why it was okay. Uh, but now without Rob, it's going to be harder. Like I'm going to actually really have to count on people to to try to come up with bad ideas instead of trying to come up with good ideas like Rob did and then just failing. So that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, it, but, it involves
0: uh, the audience, you know, <laughs> ducking. It or- does.
1: You know, that was we we had talked about some people had requested like, hey, do do like an an online version. And like, you know, deep down, I just didn't know how like that audience, like being there with the audience and the physicality of all of it. It just didn't sound as exciting doing it through, you know, like Zoom or something. I mean, it would have been totally doable, but it just it wouldn't have been the same. You know, first of all, the chance of hurting people. Much less. Yeah, much you less. You can't put you an know. eye out on the internet. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you could, but you'd have to try real hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I'm I'm excited to have you here. What what is um what have you been up to uh, of late in this uh, let's interesting see. time.
0: Well, uh I've been working a lot and pretty much uh, I I have pretty much a, a hobby farm on the side and uh, oh, also a awesome. side hustle uh, that I sell geeky stuff on Etsy and whatnot.
1: Oh, but, very cool. Yeah. I'll have to check that out.
0: Oh, thank you. That'd be awesome.
1: And uh, yeah, so that sounds like that's probably keeping you busy. Yeah. Uh, myself, yeah, same thing, like, being busy working and all that jazz. And so have you been been able to work from home or do you have to go out and work? No, nope,
0: I have to go in every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty much I work for a company that does military stuff. Oh, and okay. Uncle Sam wants his toys, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Where are you? I realize I, I'm, I'm so bad about remembering where people are located. What, what state are you in?
0: I'm in Maine.
1: In Maine, I'm, okay, oh, okay.
0: From the incredible Chris Michaud, I'm probably about yes. two hours south of him.
1: The things I know about Maine Stephen King and Chris Michaud. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, and I mean, I've been there. It's a lot of fun. But uh, uh, one of my favorite vacations was Maine. Um, but yeah, so that's so you uh, have you met Mr. Michaud, yeah, the moderator actually, himself?
0: Yeah, uh, at the Granite State Game Summit. Yes. Uh, actually, this past year, I was able to play one of his games. Uh, Ghostbuster prototypes. Oh, that's awesome. He's like, a, he's very energetic. He's like a living. He,
1: <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah. Somebody I, I, you know, we've been friends for a long time now, but he's somebody I super hope to meet in person someday. So oh, yeah. I'm hopeful that once conventions get up and running again, that I will hit granite game summit. There's so many people there that I would love to meet. Uh, oh, and yeah. now I also know you're going to be there, so even better. We could actually yeah. meet there in person then.
0: So, And I think I've even heard that Rob Davio shows up every so often. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: that would, uh, if that's his neck of the woods, that would make sense.
0: Yeah, I think he's like, from what I heard, he's Western Mass or something.
1: Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah, I mean. People have only amazing things to say about Granite Game Summit and how well it's run, and you know how great it is. So. Yeah, it's
0: a nice small con that actually plays games.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's great when that happens, right? <laughs> um, well, we uh, you brought uh, a fun topic to chat about today, and it's something that we've over the many, many years of the show we've talked about. Uh, on several occasions with different guests, and this is one of my absolute favorite topics. I was telling you when we when you were uh, when you pitched it to me, um, and that is designing with constraints. Yeah. Um, what like what's how do you like what how do you want to talk about that topic? Like what what's interesting to you specifically about that topic?
0: Well, with me, I I have ADHD, so it really hones in on you know focusing me on what right, what right. arc I, I can play at sort of <laughs> right right and um i like to take in all the this criteria that of course contests and and stuff provide and um then kind of try to see what i could do with it and try to find uh a new experience for players to get behind and have fun with
1: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I I think for me, there's some of the same things there with um, me needing to uh, having OCD. Like I prefer to focus on one thing if I can and to hyper focus on that. So if I can say this is the this these are the rules you will work under for this game. um, It makes it feel like an interesting challenge to try to work through those um, work through those ideas uh, in that way. Uh, but it really does. The, the The focusing scope is so helpful, right? Of not letting you, um, not letting you just kind of get uh, scope creep, as they call it, like in projects, right? Where like, oh, could we do this? Or what if we do this too? And what if we do that? And and the idea of those constraints keeping you away from that. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm I'm coming at the opposite end, where it's like I have so much enormous scope creep that I have to have something, rein me in to kind of keep me on task because if you don't have it there, then pretty much the new shiny is the new thing.
1: Right, right. So do you, when you're working on a project, do you find that if you're, so, well, first of all, I'm curious, your designs, are they kind of all over the gamut or do you focus more on smaller or larger games, simpler, more complex
0: well a lot of the stuff that i've been inspired with is through the game crafters. so they kind of give a monetary budget and then an idea of what it's supposed to be right and um like for example the the game that i and that i'm showing you some pictures of uh that Mm -hmm. was from a game crafter thing and that was just a game piece challenge And that you had only game pieces and no printed stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, And I I love those. I don't ever do those challenges just because I'm so bad at getting things to the game crafter and time and following those rules. I mean, like that kind of stuff. Uh But I've more than once have done the game design side of it without turning it in because. They have some of the best constraints uh, with with different things. I think those con- those contests and then also uh, Tagmyers Buttonshy contests are also really good for that. Where it's I like tried 18 cards that have to do X, um, and you know some of the some of the the coolest games come out of that. I mean the the game I was talking to you ahead of time that I'm working on with Jonathan Schaffer, um, that's the the platformer style game that game came out of me wanting to design something for that contest Uh, was 18 of the exact same card uh, was the contest. And I just never was, I just couldn't figure it out and uh, decided to not devote the time to it. And, uh, and then kind of put it down, but then came back to it. And that was the original kind of spark that led me to thinking about how you could put cards together in that way. Um, and you know, and it doesn't get much more constrained than 18 cards and they all have to be exactly the same (laughs) with nothing else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get you there. I mean, the same with, uh, most of my game crafter designs, uh, they never get to the, the, uh, deadline, but I, it's getting out of my mind and onto the table sort of thing. So I actually have some physical, tangible thing that I can work upon
1: absolutely absolutely and it is nice because even if you miss the deadline when you're doing like a game crafter thing you can absolutely still order the pieces and then have the game capture component so you know um, it does make a nice little package for like oh I've put this together and then I do that and um, and I love doing stuff with the game crafter like I said I'm not always the best at it because there's just so until they had component studio there was so much you had to do to put stuff in. Um, that I just, I'm not good at it. So I would, it was easy for me to be like, well, oh, I'm not going to do that part because I'm, I'm kind of lazy. And that seems like it's going to be
0: out yeah. of my skill set. I mean, Component Studio seems very intimidating it's, to me. It is
1: super intimidating. I've learned a few things in it. Um, thanks to Neil and some others, Ke- uh, Kelly Hoagland walking me through it and teaching me the ropes on it. But it is; it's one of those things where, like, I could have just like pounded at that thing for months and not never figured it out on my own. Um, and what I know how to do in it is so incredibly minimal that it's it's silly. It's yeah. just it helps me get things in a tabletop simulator, which is important, right? Yeah. Um. So, so thinking about back to the idea of, um, back to the idea of uh, constraints in games. So, what what do you think? Like, outside of the contest and things, like, what are some of some of the constraints you would suggest for people if who are looking to do constraints, like what, um, like what type of constraints do you like to, to kind of
0: pull out of the air to say, this is what I'm going to lock on this game to okay. attempt. to. Um, well, some of the constraints that like when I go into a game, I like to think of more on what the, the person that I'm kind of looking for and try to figure out on, uh, what sort of way that I can provide a thing in an economical way for them to be able to attain that.
1: So when you say, like, economical way, you mean, like, economical, economical, or like, game economical? Like, are you looking to say, like, how can I make the game economically priced so that someone could get it? M- many times,
0: you look at the box games and stuff like that, and the big box mm-hmm. games yeah. are 50-plus, oh, yeah. and I'd like to... Make something that is um, smaller, but is able to be obtained by a larger audience that I can kind of uh, share my game with and have.
1: Absolutely, try. yeah. know I'm I'm t to- I'm. I'm. I. I thought that's what you were getting at with that. Like, I'm totally on board with that. You know, trying to um, look at a game and say how how can I design this game in a way that it's not ridiculously expensive. Um, because of, you know, all the components and everything it needs. And that's been one of the freeing things for me with like roll and write games uh-huh. is that if you design the random part in a way that's easy to replicate, the, the right part is easy. You print off a sheet. If you're fancy, you can laminate it. Otherwise, you just print it off and and then you you, you can play the game. It's that simple. Even if you're selling it, it's still very simple to be able to, to do that. And, and those games can also be produced physically pretty economically. Compared to like a game that's got five million components in it, you know, and is a huge box for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I know that's something that's been on my mind a lot with thinking through the publishing stuff of, you know, wanting to do my own games out there, like that is constantly something in my mind of, you know, um, like how how do we work within those constraints, right? Of saying you know, with the game Jonathan and I were working on, where we said, "Okay, we got a quote for what we think everything the game needs, um, and we're gonna we're gonna operate under that as kind of like at least like soft limits to say we would like to not go out of this budget because we feel comfortable with this budget for the cost of the game, the you know to sell it, to produce it, to ship it, to do all those things, it feels pretty good, um, and then you know working backwards from there. Now we did it like halfway. We said, okay." Like, what do we want and what do we have to have? Now let's see if we can afford that. Okay, we can. Now let's lock that in and let's just deal with that. Right. Um, be, you know, right, because that way you're kind of meeting in the middle, right? You're saying, here's what I think we have to have in the game. Um, and that's so that was something that Jonathan brought up that I really liked was what he called hard and soft limits for the game. Like, like what are things that are absolutely not allowed in the game? Like, you know, and you can put that as – to say components and constraints, right? Yeah. Um, like I want this game to be able to be taught in five minutes or less, right? Like there's a hard constraint. Um, yeah, that, You some know. Of
0: that definitely will define the design too. Because mm-hmm. if you have, well, it's kind of like an ROI of, you know, your time versus playing it. For example, mm-hmm. when I, I ended up going to Unpub at, at PAX Unplugged and I yeah. wrote a couple of games... And there's some that were incredibly beautiful games, but to sit down and to play a two-hour game, a lot of people don't want to do that because they want to have as much right. fun as they can. And so they usually sit down at smaller games that take less time to maximize their fun.
1: Right. It, that's funny you point that out because like, when you're thinking about like going to a convention and trying out a two-hour game, published or not published, yeah. It's a big risk, right? Yeah. Because, like, you know, it's one thing if it's published, because then if you, like, get into the game and you're like, this is, no, uh-uh, I don't want to do this anymore. You could excuse yourself. I have to. Something came up, right? But, like, when you're playing someone's unpublished game, like, you said you were going to play test it and give them feedback. You're, you're going to do that, right? It kind of, <laughs> so, You kind of feel
0: like you have to, you know, tough it out. Right. Isn't
1: Especially it? when you're also a game designer, right? Right.
0: <laughs> and asking for that for yourself and um i ended up noticing that like for example one game that i actually finally got into the game crafter and and um put into the contest and it came out to be as a finalist but when i first did a play test i was saying okay well it's about 20 minutes per person and of course the it had some take that element and the people that were playing it fully embraced that and it turned to (laughs) it turned to a two hour plus oh wow and so it's like oh i think i missed the mark
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's you know that is that's a tough one right like sometimes gauging time in games can be hard right because I don't know how many times I've played a game where I've said, oh, this is a 30 minute game. And then like an hour later, you're just finishing the game. And you're like, why did that take so long? You know, whereas, and it's especially if it's a newer game, right, that you're getting used to. Yeah. But there's also games where I see it's a 30 minute game. You know, Splendor is a great example. I think it's like a 30 minute game. I think it's supposed to be my wife and I can play a game in 15 minutes or less. Yeah. Because we're fast at it. We know what we're doing. The turns go really fast. Um, you know, if one of us took a minute for a turn, that would feel like a lifetime. Yeah. Because, like, it's a crucial part of the game. You're like, I got to think about this and do some math. Hold on. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah.
0: And, like, for example, same with my wife and I, we play Pandemic like to death. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we can get maybe a 20 minute game of Pandemic in. And um, I guess it depends. Also, on the people that you play with, because the more you play with that person, the uh, roles that you kind of you know that person, how they kind of think and whatnot, and that yeah, yeah, reduces time.
1: Absolutely. But yeah, that that is a really hard thing to judge. It's something I've struggled with. I, I joke that with most of my games, when I'm filling out the initial rules, I put how long I want it to play, which is uh-huh. almost always 20 to 30 minutes or 15 to 25 minutes somewhere in there without even play testing it. And then I just shoot for that. And sometimes I I nail it. And other times, yep, it's like, oh, nope, this is this is much longer than I play that. And then you have to decide, right, like if that coming back to the constraint thing, right, like if if your constraint was I like to design games that are sub 30 minutes and your game is, is taking an hour to play you have to decide, is it worth it that the game is taking an hour to play, right? Or is it like, no, like this is too long? Because I don't know, do you think, I feel like there's a discovery there, right? Like where you have to decide, is it okay that the game is way longer than I thought? Or is it not okay?
0: Well, it's all depending on the players. Like, for example, that two two hour or two and a half hour take that, people were heavily invested and they were on, on the board as as much as possible to the point that they were closing the shop. and I'm like, sorry, dudes, we, we gotta, we gotta break this up. And they're like, well, are you going to bring it back? It's like, sure. It's just, you know, I think I got what I wanted. And, and many times I'm right. like, okay, did do you guys want to take a break? Because, you know, it's taking a little long and they're like, no, 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 no. I want, I want to finish this.
1: Right. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is a good feeling right where um because that happens in play tests where you start to get that feeling like that doubt of like are they bored with this game because like i feel like they're probably bored with this game right now And you're like you want to stop we, can, we don't have to finish it like i say that in play tests a lot like i've got what i need so if you if you don't want to keep playing and then when you get like that enthusiastic like, oh no no no, i want to see how this ends like that always feels really good like yeah. oh they're invested well that's a plus <laughs> yeah and obviously, if you can get to the end and it's not painful, you'll always get better feedback that way. Um, unless it's painful within the first five minutes, and then yeah, then you're <laughs> then you're just torturing them. <laughs>
0: very true. Very true.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't. I. It's funny because I limit myself on how long I want most games to be. Like, if if I had a game that that was that I wanted to be twenty five minutes to 25 to 30 minutes tops and it played at 60 even if people were having fun i would probably try and shorten it oh Um, yeah i i
0: i'm there with because it's
1: me right like i mean i have a game right now that i'm really struggling with like i'm playing it online with the publisher and we're doing development work on it and i'm really happy with the game but it takes for two of us to play it like an hour to play it and i'm feeling like it's probably because partially because it's online. Right. So it's like, it's just not, it's not meant for that. Like it's, it's not the type of game where that works the best. Um, but we have to try and dev it out somehow. Yeah. Um, but what's so frustrating is like trying to decide, like, I'm having a good time this whole time, but are other people going to have a good time? And like, am I just judging this? Cause it's too quote too long of a game. <laughs> like, is it really not that big of a deal? Um, I don't know. Like that's that is a struggle for me when I kind of set that constraint of time. And then, even though I like I said, I wasn't even thinking of time as a constraint. I was thinking of time as that's just what I enjoy, so that's what I set it for. But I really am designing around it as a constraint. So that's 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 a really interesting thought to have that d- didn't occur to me before this conversation.
0: Well, it's not all, only your time, but also the other player's time. So, for example, with space base, I, I don't know if you've ever played it. But um, it has a lot of player interaction as mm-hmm. because when the main or like quicks, for example, you know, you have uh, the main player doing their thing. But on this on the side, you also have the other uh, players looking on to make sure what they can benefit out of it. Right. Yep. And that usually makes a long game feel less long. Right. Right. Invested.
1: And theoretically, makes a really long game not as long. Yes, <laughs> too right. That game without that, without those joint actions. Um, but yeah, that is that is another thing to think about. Is like, um, and this I think is just good practice. But you know, downtime, right? Yeah. Working around downtime, and um, you know, that's probably a constraint we should use most of the time, right? To say, okay, I don't want my players to have more than X downtime. And it's funny because. I don't know what I would put that number at, like, because it's different for everyone. Like, what point do you get bored? You know, I guess if it's a if it's a four-player game and everybody's taking five minutes a turn, yeah, that's awful, oh, yeah,
0: right? It's Unless
1: the like, game has, like, you know, very few turns. Even then, it's probably still awful.
0: Especially, like, with people like myself that have ADHD, five minutes is an eternity, and it's like you just want to, like burn and flip the table (laughs) i had a friend that go do something else there was a game called railroad tycoon that was i don't know how long ago but it was a huge like um i I haven't played it but i've definitely heard of it it was it eats the table it's such a huge footprint but Mm -hmm. the the downtime on that i i had a friend that has ADHD as well and he would literally get up and walk off and you know do play a couple other board games while waiting his turn
1: (laughs) oh my gosh well and like it's tough because some of those games you're expected to know what's going on with the other players right because you don't want to be that person that comes back and sits down and say all right what happened like wait what did you do why why is this what what happened here right but yeah I I'm one of those people that wants to know what happened, but I can't sit there and wait for 10 minutes for my turn. Uh-huh. Um, that's just not fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, the idea is like board games are supposed to be interactive, right? I mean, if I was playing like an online game where I had to like, like, say I was playing railroad tycoon or whatever online and it was 10 minutes between my turn, but I could just leave that browser window open and then like be doing something else over here. I might be more into that than sitting around a table for, four hours playing that game. Like that's I, I, yeah. And I can't imagine playing a game that long.
0: I mean, also if you consider time as an economy, because you're spending your time to play this game and how much you get out of it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And that is, that's why I tend, I think towards shorter games as well, because when we're going to have a game night, I want to, I don't want to sit down and play Civ. And like, that was our whole game day. Right. Like I want to play, if we're going to play for a five to six hour game day i want to play six or seven games right um to really feel like I, I own a lot of games and i want to play them um and so yeah yeah cool so let's think about um is there anything let's let's try let's do this one this is not something we've talked about before around constraints that is interesting to me now that we're talking about this is all right what about bad ideas for constraints you are good at bad ideas so what about like what what are things we shouldn't be like i I say shouldn't in in quotes like right we shouldn't we probably shouldn't uh be constraining in uh when we're setting up constraints to to make a design um like legitimate things too not like you know crazy stuff but like what are what are some things we shouldn't say oh i'm not going to do that in this game or maybe there aren't any
0: i'm not sure so bad constraints to not do in a game? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I'm saying like if you, you know if you're going to sit down and say okay, I'm going to give myself these components uh to work with this or I'm going to avoid this. I'm not going to put dice in this. I really don't want to have dice, so I'm going to avoid dice. Um but I'm try- I was trying to think if there are any like tips we can say to people like hey, don't like don't constrain
0: yourself in this way. Um Uh so you're saying that kind of if you're brainstorming, keep the the possibilities open and don't limit yourself fully. Like, let the process or the design flow to make that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, because there are some pretty, like, rough constraints that, like, we use all the time, right? Like, two players, right? Like, there are a lot of times when somebody says, I'm going to design a two-player game, and that is a wicked constraint. On the same hand it can make the game design way easier because there's a lot of things you can do in two players you can't do in three and four players, especially not in four plus. Um, but like, I mean, that's... And sometimes constraints, I think, too, are like, you know, saying like, like if I'm sitting down and saying, I'm going to design a party game, something I do fairly frequently. Yeah. I'm going to design a party game, but most of the time I won't say I'm going to de- design a party game for eight people, even though that's like classic party game, uh-huh. simply because I don't like even though that's what the genre calls for a lot of times i don't want to design for that large of a group most of the time with my ideas because the way that i think to design party games just doesn't work with eight people it works at best with six usually with four to five um and so i think you know yeah oh here's a good one don't i wouldn't i would suggest not constraining player count in an awkward way (laughs) like yeah. Three players only. Right. Or, um, yeah, I, I tried seeing the,
0: that though. I tried doing the three player and it definitely is better with two and four player. Right. Right. So there's, that's an interesting constraint that
1: I have seen before I've seen. And I cannot remember the game is like, but I've talked about it in some of my games and always had designers say, don't do that. But like, like it's a two player or a four player game. It is not a three-player game, Um, and I've seen people get really upset about that idea. Even though I know that I've seen published games that I just can't remember what they were because they probably were not like super popular published games. Let's be fair, but but like I don't feel like two and four is any more annoying to me as a player than three plus. Like three plus, I don't like designing games that are three plus. Even though like party games pretty much need to be three plus if you want it to be fun party games. Otherwise, they just don't function as well with only two players, right? Yeah, I mean, just with, that's not how they're designed.
0: I mean, with two and four, you can easily have like a pair up, if not, you know, four players. But with the third player, it's kind of like the odd man out sort of thing.
1: Right. right. And I think that like a lot of times in design, when you're looking from two-player to three-player to four-player, when you're trying to, you know, you've got your game and now you're trying to make sure it works with all those three players can very much be the hardest, right? Yeah. Because, you know, again, you don't have those even numbers. Um, and so I, I know that's something I've struggled with before to where I usually, if I'm designing a game that's better than two players, like going to be like two up, like I'll usually focus real hard on what four players works like and get that working and then work backwards from there. Um,
0: yeah, because you because, have, to have some sort of commonality between... Like, if you're doing components-wise, four and three have to balance out in some way, shape, or form.
1: Right, right. I saw a game one time. I can't remember what it was, but it was. It said six-plus on it. Like, six players-plus. And I thought, I will never play that game, ever. It was... Maybe it wasn't six-plus. Maybe it was four-plus. I was... It was... Was it the Three Laws of Robotics? It might have been the Three Laws of Robotics, which is a newer game that came out. It was, it was a high player count. Uh, it was like... Four plus or five plus, and I thought there's no way I'll ever play this game um because it's just it requires too high of a player count. um But I've also seen games where it's like four only, like it's a this is a four player game. Yeah, and how many times um, can
0: you find four? Well, I guess if you have a large group of people, you can find at least four right. people wanting to play that exact game. Like we have, well, then I go ahead, we have Settlers of uh, That's it. It was a space fair's a Catan. Oh yeah, yeah. When I bought it, it's like my wife and I can play it. No three plus. (laughs) Right,
1: right. Funny story. I bought the same game without looking at it and had the same problem. (laughs) (laughs) I bought it. It was used at like a. It was like a resale at like a game store, and I was so excited. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shake your ship. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, That's not gonna work. Yeah. Um. But, but I, you know, I've, with some designs, like, it's, it's interesting because we talk about player count being an issue, like, whereas, like, I know a lot, like, my wife and I, we love two-player games, or we love four-player games that play really well with two-player games. Yeah. um But, like, different groups have different, like, for... For there are there are plenty of people who like I know especially like game players like couples where it's like, oh my wife and I and, and these other two people, yep. um yeah. we, we just we play together and it's and then we always have four, right? Um so then you're then the idea of a game that's four only is fine. Um but but it is those type of constraints I think can be really limiting to your audience. Um yep. but but we see game games do it fairly consistently.
0: And I'm wondering if it's the, like I was saying earlier that the balancing issue of trying to make it sure that three is equally as good as four or two, but with either more or less components is kind of a hard niche to fill. And if you have, you know, three players at, at one time. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't happen as often.
1: Right. Right. I would say that, yes, like in general, if we're going to like stereotype groups of gamers, three, like the three player group doesn't happen nearly as often as a two and a four player would. Um, one of the things I think you can do pretty easily um, though, I've seen this done in ways that just annoys me <laughs> as well. Um, where, but like, is that you design a game to work with three plus plus? and then you tweak it to have special two player rules. I always kind of like that as long as like, so we did that with Unreal estate, right? Like you play it one way with everyone else. And you basically, you just, all you do in unreal estate is you're just playing twice instead of in each round instead of once. And that works just fine uh, because then basically it's just like playing the other version of the game. But I've seen games where, like, I. There was one game I bought oh, a while back. I remember what it was, but I played it with three players and I was like, this is amazing. I love this. I bought it, brought it home, and then saw that it had a two player variant, like, the two players was a variant. And it, it took away all of the things I loved about the game. And it, I'm sure that was necessary for the game to function with two players yeah um but it was also kind of depressing <laughs> like i was so excited to show my wife this game that i start going to double check the rules and i'm like oh i shouldn't have even bought this game like if i'd realized this i wouldn't have even bought this game because now we have to wait till we can play it with four people or three or four people right uh, before thing, you know
0: yeah especially in it's, this especially right now right <laughs> Yeah, that's what i was just about to say but i mean well for example sakatsu that's a three-player. Yes. And yep. it's a good three-player. It's just, you know. Yes.
1: Yeah, and you can play – I mean, you can play two players with that. Yep. Um But, yeah, three players with Sakatsu is, is amazing. Yeah, I. so that is that is one of the only games I've consistently played three players, and it was when we were, I was at Gen Con the year it came out, um, and I was staying with Rob and, Chris, Rob and his wife Christine, um, and – rob and christine got opened the game before i did and they played a couple they're like this is so good they taught me how to play it rob and i played it christine and i played it and then when we were all together we would all play it um and it was great all the ways of playing it um but that is a game yes that very much shined uh with that now i think in the four player version though of sakatsu you play teams so uh i'm pretty sure because it doesn't go up to four you have to do teams of of two for that um
0: not sure
1: (laughs) um i i don't i've honestly never played four player i've only played two or three so like um,
0: teams would have been maybe six but there's three right
1: yeah (laughs) but that is uh for anyone who has not played that that is a fantastic game yes uh so good the artwork is really fun it's a beautiful Um, game for you know being beautiful for being abstract especially like it's it's great yeah yeah love it i'm not just saying that because i like isaac uh and I kind of like Matt Loomis, depending on the day. But no, it's it's a really really good game. Like it's it's one of my faves. Uh, in fact, it's one we have. My wife and I haven't played in a while. I'm gonna have to pull that one out. So yeah, um, it's a little bigger. Like when we travel, I bring all of our small box stuff. So that one's just a little bit bigger than your average. I mean, uh, yeah,
0: that's also another constraint too. Like uh, I have a friend yes. um, that does travel buddy games. He's just started to do that and he Yeah, yeah. And he's working towards doing something that you can throw in your backpack, take take with you and kind of uh Yep. You know actually play on the road sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that is in that is a really really good um niche. it's a really good area of games. Yeah, a niche of games. It really is because it uh those we like so many of the hobby game market games for a while were bigger games right and now we're seeing more and more smaller games especially with kind of the roll and write fad because those games mostly fit in small boxes which is great especially since i love them and my wife does too it makes it real easy to travel um and uh but yeah no I, i think that i think that that's that is a good a good thing we're seeing a lot of with the smaller box games for that reason um and just That is, but that's a cool constraint too. To say like I'm only going to focus on games you could throw in a backpack and take with you somewhere, you know, and play in a restaurant if you needed to, yeah, or in a hotel room or you know,
0: yeah. My wife and I travel. (laughs) Sorry. When my wife and I travel, we always are are uh, packing some sort of game, either Rolling Right Quicks or some small game, just to pass the time because you're going to have downtime between flights or whatever or at mm-hmm. restaurants just to kind of relax and enjoy.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, there's a good constraint, builders. Like, say, I'm going to design a game that you can carry around easily in a backpack with multiples. Yeah. Awesome, yes.
0: And actually – Any uh, other
1: – oh, go ahead, go ahead. And
0: actually, the game that I showed you does pack up small, which is nice.
1: It looked like that, yeah, yeah. I saw the one picture where it looked like they were packed up pretty tightly, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice." Yeah. Um, the uh, so, is there any uh, any other thoughts you have on constraints before we chat about a pitch here?
0: Um, well, there's also there's several different types of constraints, but um, like for example, with materials. Um, yep. That's yep. a thing that kind of I've run into. <laughs> as far as uh the game is concerned
1: <laughs> where you've said where you have purposely have the constraint or where you started to make stuff and then we're like oh
0: the second yeah <laughs> <laughs> right right it's like i was at umpub and they're like yes to that game no to that game and i'm like no to this game i, I love this game and it's like nope it's gonna be too heavy ah uh, yes so yes, it, yes. or some weird things like oh it has a magnet um that doesn't go well with exports oh yeah
1: that's good to think about wow i didn't even think about that yeah i think
0: uh i bumped into pandasaurus and i think that they were saying something to that effect where it's like you know rare rare earth magnets and stuff are are hard
1: interesting that's really interesting to know yeah, I mean, I that is that is certainly a thing where I've shown a publisher a game before and they've said, I don't know how we're going to print that. Like, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do to do that. Um, and you hear that enough, right? And then you start to in your mind say, okay, well, if that – like the one I got used to and then now it's not really a problem anymore used to be like custom dice, right? Like yeah. if you're going to make custom dice, it needs to be one one die needs to be custom. And that needs to be the same die for the whole thing, unless you want it to be astronomical, right? Yeah, I think. Um, they and get now
0: face or something.
1: Yeah. Well, and now with the heat transfer process or the sticker thing, yeah. they can make those dice for you. Can change every single side on every single die, and it won't matter um, when it comes to creating the dice, uh, which is nice. It makes a whole different, a uh, whole different uh, way of doing that, right? um you get used to a constraint and then they say never mind it's not a constraint anymore. Plus those dice are s- the heat transfer dice and the sticker dice. I even prefer sticker dice over like carved dice yeah. only because like you're just so readable and the color really can really pop and really make a difference when you're looking at yep. them.
0: Totally. Sweet.
1: Awesome. Well, I would love to have you uh, pitch the game you've referred to now a few times. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to hear more. About it. I've seen pictures. I'm excited to hear more about it now.
0: Yeah. So it, it all stemmed from a game, uh game crafter challenge. It was uh, the, the all game piece challenge. Um, pretty much the constraint was had to be under $35 and, to have no printed components and to um and to be all game pieces so i came up with a uh, game that originally was called zogo but has now theme changed even more um yeah and it was uh a So pretty much it was a a game that was a strategy game, like an abstract strategy game. Yeah. That had some take that uh, tile placement and um, had a modular board that evolves during play. And I found that considering a constraint um, that I've adapted to, um, I noticed that a lot of people don't like abstract strategy as as much as a theme on on things.
1: That's fair. Yeah.
0: Yep. And and so um, to try to find a theme for it and to kind of make it more palatable and kind of make it understandable, I guess, to be a better thing, a better explanation. I came up with uh, it's called Fates Align and um it's essentially uh under the greek mythos and you pretty much play the three fates that Mm -hmm. um when you get all three fates in a line you can affect that strand of the weave to help your hero uh onto his challenge essentially there's three colored discs or three uh discs of your own That you're to capture, but also you can change the board, move the board, move your opponents to other places on the board. And kind of, it's a very dynamic, um, ever changing board that, you know, uh, that you have to adapt to changes. Someone referred to it as like speed chests on an ever changing board. (laughs) wow yeah
1: wow and this is the game that ended up blowing up to be like a two-hour game where the people got super invested
0: yeah and (laughs) then um after a while i kind of adapted it um added some other playing cards where um once you attain one of your your goal tokens or your goal pieces uh, Mm -hmm. you get a favor from the gods which gives you a special power to do a special thing and so it it, varying powers and that kind of coupled with that and some other stuff it has brought the time down to a manageable state but also increasing in gameplay
1: oh excellent yeah so the best of both worlds then yeah very cool
0: sorry I'm not really good at pitching.
1: (laughs) you know what I am one of the the like I struggle with pitching so much. Um, it's something that I've, if I'm even halfway decent at it, it's because I've done it three hundred plus times. It feels like now uh, from the show uh, and other things. So what is um like? What is the what's a typical like? What's a typical round like with the game? So
0: a typical round, you you start off um, at certain points in the board, and each turn players go around aligning one meeple or one pawn or player. And once you get into a line, um, you get a bonus action and that bonus action, you're allowed to manipulate the board or the opponents in a certain way, depending hmm. on what's ever in between the two outermost meeples or pawn. Oh, okay. Okay. So Yeah. And yeah. that, that line, is free to be manipulated moved uh taken or um any any opponents uh move to different parts of the board and if you have one of your colored uh discs there in that line you can capture that single disc and put it onto your player tableau and um Get a favor from the gods, which you can use later. Or okay. Yeah, yeah. Or something to that effect. And then um once you get all three, you win the game.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Is this something you do you play this in tabletop simulator? Uh um, like you have this in TTS? I
0: need to put it up. I've been working on it. I actually cool. I heard you uh you were getting into tabletop simulator just recently yes, yes and that kind of inspired me to check like out jason can figure it out <laughs> i can probably figure it out that yeah would be right a fair assumption <laughs> i ended up getting tabletop simulator a couple like a 2017 okay yeah and, yeah. and then just i ended up getting a lot well i ended up going online to youtube university sort of thing to see how i could figure this out and it wasn't really helpful. Now there's a lot of helpful <laughs> videos out there that I'm like, oh yeah, I see how it works now.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I watched a few of those <laughs> while I figured some stuff out. Well, let me know. Cause if you get it in there, I would love to give it a try. Oh, totally that intriguing. So yeah, that'd be fantastic.
0: Yeah, totally. Awesome.
1: Um, yeah. So it was, it was cool to talk about that. Um, I love hearing about it. I would love, love to try it you know, sometime in TTS if, if I could. Um, and uh you mentioned earlier uh and you have an etsy shop uh, yes yep. where you have geeky
0: stuff in it what is do you want to give that out while you're here that's uh flare de geek f-l-a-i-r-d-e geek uh it, uh etsy <laughs> okay yeah you just search that on etsy then yeah and right now i have a bunch of vinyl but um Yeah, like I get a laser. I also just recently got a laser cutter that I want to do some stuff to. Yeah, I'm all about the toys.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's a year for it, man. Like Julio was talking about getting the 3D printer he's using. Uh, I've been getting in the different stuff, trying to you know, like it's. I mean that's another (laughs) restriction too
0: that because like if you have the vision but you don't have the tools to make that vision happen, it can be uh, difficult
1: right yeah and i mean even like thinking about like right now like i'm pretty much not designing anything that i couldn't put in tabletop simulator right because what i if otherwise how am i gonna play test it like i can have my wife play it and like if my mom visits us because she's the only person that visits us she could play it if it was a kid's game my kids could play it but yeah. that's it you know oh, So <laughs>
0: all my play testers are quarantined so i might as well get it on tts yeah
1: so even some party games i'm working on i've made sure that they would fit into tts that's a smart thing to
0: do work yeah it's a necessity (laughs) it's a necessary thing to do so and i guess also with the pitching too like yeah yep
1: i've done several now pitches through tts um because that companies are just saying, Hey, I want to play it in TTS. I'm like, all right. You know, at first I was like, Oh, I can show it to you another way. And now it's just like, well, I'm not going to show this to you for months or
0: a year otherwise. So let's do it. I'll put it in there. Where do you, I mean, I've never pitched to a publisher yet. Big surprise, (laughs) but, um, where or where, or how do you find out about that information and, uh, you know, how do you go about it?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, it really, I was talking about this with somebody, I think it might've been Julio, where the only reason that I feel like this year has been really good for me in pitching is because I've gotten to know a lot of publishers over the last eight years. Um, and so, so that's one aspect, right. But the other is so many more of them are open now to pitches uh-huh. um, where, um, you know, they're open to pitches online because they need games, right? Yeah. Uh, just as much as we want to sell them. I mean, they don't need as many games as we want to sell, but they do need games. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just about kind of figuring out who to talk to. Um, the, one of the most important resources you can possibly find uh, is the Cardboard Edison's list that they have. Okay. Um, that you can get off their website that has it's like a compendium of publishers the types of games they're looking for um, you know in, in how to contact them the best way to pitch to them I, I'm assuming that's all up to date for this year because they're real good about that kind of stuff because um, for a lot of publishers obviously that's changed yep. the other thing is just ask design friends who you know have pitched to publishers like hey I've got that... this
0: game it plays like this where should I pitch it to you know um, and sadly that up here in maine there's not many designers that have pitched stuff i mean i think the closest uh guild design guild sort of thing is down in boston massachusetts which Uh is like about two hours south
1: okay yeah and
0: so if there was even some sort of i guess online guild or something that would be Mm -hmm. probably awesome to find well yeah,
1: well hey, you're always welcome to hit me up. Um good plug here for the show's Discord channel. Um oh, yeah, so I've if you go to the website, that. you are good. Okay, okay, good, good. I can't rem- like I'm <laughs> still getting acclimated to using it. What was that? <laughs> That's my
0: username, drop a golden sun ray. Ah, uh, oh yeah, so. yes, duh.
1: Yes. So, anyways, um, yeah, you can always ask in there um whenever i've had a few people um yeah show me stuff and chat about stuff so yeah by all means i'm always excited to help people out uh with different with different things so reach out to me Uh, i don't always know who to pitch to but i do have some better ideas than i ever have before because i've been doing this for a while and and i ask i ask that a lot i ask game designers who know more than me i'll say hey who would you pitch this to um and see what they think and also, with with the co-designing thing, that's been really helpful because so many times the co-designers will have different relationships than I will, mm-hmm. um, and that really, really makes a difference. Yeah. Um, for yeah, for that.
0: And also with the Discord channel, uh, well, Neil helped me out with my rules on, on my game, at the time when I was uh, oh right the uh, game crafter challenge. He was able to. He has a knack with the rules. I have gibberish. Right.
1: He does. He's, he is real good with the rules. Yeah. I was bad about not using it for a long time because of the way I had to interface with it and it just didn't work out as well. But now that I have it on my desktop, it's great because I can check it every day. I can comment. I put some show previews and stuff out there now. And so, yeah, it's, I'm loving being able to use it. Um, not that I always could have used it, but I just, the notifications and stuff on my phone did not work at all. It was awful. Um, so even now, like I'm part of a, a design channel and I muted it just so that like it wouldn't give me notifications all the time. Yep, it still gives me notifications all the time. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Like, do these not- do these even work? Do these Discord's do these notification settings even work?
0: Oh, no, Discord feel evil like that they way. do.
1: It is right. So well, hey Ray, it was really fun having yeah, you. Yeah, it was the show great to be about on about this.
0: Uh,
1: really fun conversation. I appreciate it. It's always great to talk to people about this stuff uh so i appreciate you being on the show oh um, i'm
0: glad to be on
1: yes uh hey builders if you want to get in touch with us you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com email us building at gmail.com find us on twitter at podcast btg i am at J. E. slingerland ray are you on twitter i am on twitter oh, God. <laughs> i just asked you <laughs> on twitter we've literally been talking on twitter flair to geek um, on twitter yeah flair to geek <laughs> on twitter Yes, and that's where now I know where that name comes from. Yeah, you use it for the Etsy shop. Um, yes. Yeah, so we've been literally messaging back and forth on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. and I follow you. So yeah. Uh, I you. <laughs> it's been it's been a long it's been a long year. Um, this week, so uh, you know, twenty twenty one out of five stars. Yeah. <laughs> yes, one out of five stars. Would not recommend. Yeah. But anyways, thank you again, sir, oh, and thank to you. all listeners out there. Yes. Good night. Good night. Building the game which isn't in friends which isn't in friends building the game building the game which isn't in friends which isn't in friends dial 770 tell btg please don't use the email